Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright. and This is the video teaching series, Houses of Worship, or what role did people's houses and homes play in the ministry and structure of the New Testament church in the Bible? And so we're looking at what the Bible says. This is lesson number six. And uh, in this lesson, we want to we talk about the fact that much of the early church's gatherings and ministry took place in people's houses. And in this lesson and several of the next few lessons, uh, most of the next few lessons, uh, we'll be talking about specific incidences because of the importance of making that. Some of these lessons will be shorter simply because I don't want to combine them all into one big lesson. I'd rather break them down and talk about them in shorter segments, each of the specific instances, so we can receive from that. So let's uh, let's start with the beginning of the church. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This took place in a house. So at the end of this chapter, and I read these verses in an earlier lesson, but I'm going to read them in this lesson. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, and then they that gladly received his word, were baptized in the same day. There were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and they continuing daily, verse 46, they continuing daily with, uh, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Verse 3 of chapter 2 started with a single house. And by the end of chapter 2, they were at already multiplied houses. That's why I made the point in an earlier lesson that they may have continued to use that same upper room of that house but it was only one of many places where they met. It was not their headquarters. It was not their prime location. We don't even know the name of the man that owned the house. I don't know that that house has ever been specifically mentioned again after that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I don't know that. I can't find that in the scripture. It may be. I just haven't found it yet. So, they're continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Did eat their meat with gladness a singleness heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, to a church building, to a church service in a building. Did the, did the group grow? Did the crowd grow? Or was he added to the body of Christ numerically daily such as should be saved? And then in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, it says, And they departed from the presence of the council, 
at rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name after they'd been commanded by the Jewish council to not preach anymore in his name, and daily and were daily in the temple, daily in the temple, and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus. So they didn't, didn't just preach in the temple. They preached in every house they had access to. And the next verse, which happens to be the beginning of the next chapter, Acts 6, 1, and in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So here we are. So we only preach in pulpits and church buildings. That's the only preaching that's done. When he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, you think he was limiting that to those who are called to the pulpit ministry? I can't find that for terminology in the Bible either. Where is that at? Yes, there are those who are gifted with giftings from God to lead the body of Christ and have responsibility for overseeing the body of Christ. And there are those that are gifted with gifts of ministry and authority to minister and teach the word to the body of Christ. But the entire body of Christ is in the priesthood, and the entire body of Christ is called to minister the word of God. And that's why he used very specific terminology in Mark chapter 16 when he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. All believers in my name, they'll cast out devils, speak with new tongues, etc., etc. And then he got down to the last verse, which happened after his ascension, according to uh, the previous verse at the end of Mark 16. And he said, and they went everywhere and preached, and the Lord went with them and confirmed the word with signs following. According to our culture and our tradition, it was preachers who went everywhere and preached, but according to Scripture, believers went everywhere and proclaimed the good news. So the idea that the early church in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, 42, that they went everywhere and they preached daily in the temple and in every house, proving that the original house of the upper room was so absorbed, it's just one of every houses. It wasn't any more significant to them than all the other houses because they preached Jesus in every house and people got saved in every house. Now, this is the Bible. This is the Bible. This isn't tradition. This isn't religion. This is Bible. This is what the apostles did. And most people who are watching this video claim to be apostolic. Well, if that's what the apostles did, and we're apostolic, which means we do like the apostles did, the question then is legitimately ask, are we? Do we? 
Do we do like the apostles? Are we doing like the apostles? And again, I talk like this. People say, well, you're, a, you're against us having church. Where did I say that at? I'm constantly saying the Bible teaches for us to come together. This same verse that says they preached in every house said they preached in the temple. Now, first of all, that wasn't their church. You do understand that, right? There was no time in history ever in the Bible or out of the Bible where the Jews ceded ownership, deeded the temple over to the church for it to become their church building, ever. So them preaching daily in the temple is not an exact parallel to us owning property and building a facility and preaching the gospel there. And if you want the gospel, you've got to come to our facility. Can people get saved in our churches? I hope so. Is that where they're supposed to get saved? That's not the plan. The plan is to repent and get baptized and then receive the Holy Ghost. But we know it's possible for people to get the Holy Ghost before they get baptized. Because they, the first Gentiles did. And Peter commanded them after they got the Holy Ghost to get baptized. So you don't get to bypass water baptism because you got the Holy Ghost. So the fact that the Lord has a pattern, but he alone is able to vary the pattern is fine. But we don't make the variation of the pattern the new pattern. And the fact that God can give people the Holy Ghost in a a church facility doesn't change the pattern. The pattern is for the church to gather, to pray together, to minister one to another, pray for one another, to be taught, to be trained and then compelled out into the harvest field. That's the pattern. And if somehow sinners end up in our services and God fills them with the Holy Ghost, thank God I got the Holy Ghost in a church building. I know that sounds amazing. And some of, some folks think I forgot that. I didn't forget that. I didn't forget that. Uh, my wife got the Holy Ghost in a church building. My eldest son at the Holy Ghost in our a church, one of our church building here at the time, and my youngest son, at two months shy of five years old, got the Holy Ghost on the front row of the new headquarters building. It was being dedicated in Blantyre, Malawi, Africa. And I thank God for all of that. I thank God for all that. But uh, I know people, many people, that have gotten the Holy Ghost in a lot of different places. 1995, we were a part of a crusade in Lusaka, Zambia, uh, where over 2,200 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost over a weekend. And uh, the stands of a soccer stadium was where the crowd sat, and the field was our altar, and the platform we preached from was on the opposite side of the field. And we had a crusade church service in a soccer Stadium in Lusaka, Zambia, and over 2,200 people received the Holy Ghost there, Friday night, Saturdays, Saturday night, and Sunday. Praise God. Thank God for that. But it wasn't a church building. And to my knowledge, the church has never had church in that facility again. Didn't before that weekend, didn't after that weekend, to my knowledge. Now, I hope maybe they've used it on occasion since then, but I don't know that for a fact. But it wasn't a church building. What a church building. 
And I know churches in Africa, and I've preached in places in Africa where we preached under a big tree. That was the only place they had together. But God was there, and people got saved. Uh, and you know what? And when we were on the other side of the tracks, us Pentecostals, we held church in a lot of places that weren't very nice, but we knew we had to go out in the world to reach the gospel, to, to reach the people, to preach the gospel. I'm not against church buildings, and I'm not against coming together to worship together. I'm, it's Bible. It, I don't know about the, having the church building this Bible, but it, I don't know that it's sin as long as we don't let it hinder us from obeying the gospel, obeying the plan, obeying the purpose, God's pattern. It's fine to have it. We own it. We currently own two and own a piece of property to build a third. Antioch does. And we hold church in other locations that we rent. Some are church buildings. Some are not church buildings. But while we're there, that's the place the church is gathering. And I like that because it keeps the focus off the fact that it's not church unless you're in a church facility. Because you hear me. It happened in Russia. It happened in China. It's the case in every major Muslim country in this world. You can't just freely. Churches can't own property and buildings, and they just can't have church. So what are they supposed to do if that's the plan and the pattern? What are they supposed to do? Praise God. Question. Is it possible that the Father was moved to allow increased persecution of the church, especially in Jerusalem, to drive those with the message of salvation out into the world in order to fulfill what he had commanded them to do? So many of the church stayed in Jerusalem up until 70 A.D. when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. Now, this emphasis is both obvious and ominous. The temple was not only destroyed, but the ground was plowed. Selah. Pause and think about that. The temple's destruction was even worse than anything caused by a snowstorm. And we lost our auditorium here in a snowstorm on the 18th of February, 2003. And this is the amazing thing about that. In October of 2002, we were we had seven days of prayer and fasting here. Everybody fasted straight through seven days. And every I asked everybody to come up to the church for an hour a day for six days. Whatever time they had to come up here, they come up here for at least an hour and pray. And then on the seventh day, we started at 6 o'clock in the evening on Friday, went to 6 o'clock in the evening on Saturday, and as many as would come and would stay and those who would come stay as long as they could. People brought their blankets and pillows. And during the night when they were, they were tired, they slept. But the rest of the time, we prayed. And that evening, Friday evening in October, about 11, 11.30 at night, I'm praying. The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, and I'm in the auditorium. We're praying in the auditorium. Camped out in there praying all day prayer, 24-hour prayer. Not a chain, 24 hours straight through in the building. We're praying. And the Holy Ghost said to me, uh, I want you to take the gospel out of this building. I said, on Sunday nights, he said, 
because we were already divided up on Sunday morning and all kind of daughter works and whatever. He said, I want the, I want, I want you to take it out of here. I said, Lord, we don't, we don't have this auditorium full. I mean, it's full, comfortable for Americans. It was full, but it wasn't crammed. We could have put more people in it. He said, it's not about that. I want the gospel out there where they are instead of expecting them all to come here. I said, what are we supposed to do? He said, this was October. He said, starting the first of January, I want you to make uh, reservations to go to various high school auditoriums for at least the next six months. And you can go to a high school for four to six weeks, and then I want you to move on, and I want you to take it all over this county. And uh, I said, okay. And then he said, I don't want you to take the uh, PA equipment and the instruments out of this uh, this auditorium. I want you to leave it here. I want you to buy a trailer. It can be pulled behind a van. And I want you to buy musical instruments, drums, keyboards, whatever, and a, an entire PA system that can be stored in that van. And it can be used. And we can do that. I said, okay. Well, the next week in our staff meeting, I told our ministerial staff what the Lord said. Nobody agreed with me. Nobody. Not my wife, not my sons, nobody else. There's about 15 of us in the room. Nobody believed it. And they all argued against it. Well, we're, we're paying a mortgage here. We're going to have to go pay rent in these buildings. These are expensive. I, I heard all that. You know, and, 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 and why are we doing this? We're not full here. Why are we doing it? I said, because the Lord said so, and we're going to do it. So they all uh, participated, even though none of them agreed. I don't mean that critically, but none of them agreed. So this went on. So we spent, it was about probably the middle of November. The Lord spoke to me again. He said, you got a couple of buses out there you're not using. Yes, sir. He said, uh, I want you to take one of them, take all the seats out. I want you to buy a new horse trough. And I want you to have them affix it to the floor. And I want you to build some change rooms in the back, put four change rooms in the back, and then They'd go to a welder and have a wide set of steps put down at the back entrance to the bus that can be lifted up and taken down. And then I want you to have them design some way to heat that water. And that's going to be your baptismal bus. And so on Sunday nights for these, these auditoriums, when you go, you, the buses have the name of the church on the side and all that. So that was advertisement. He said, I want you to park that bus on the curb right outside that school. And when the people that get saved in those services, and you can baptize them in that bus. Well, all that sounded great. So, except again, they thought I had really lost my mind on that one, but I signed the checks. So I got cooperation. We got that done. So the first weekend of January of 19 or of 2003, we started in school. And what's really amazing was Brother Mark Morgan was here with us for that first service, but I was in Africa preaching for the first service. And so, we were there for a, a, about a month, and we moved on to the next place. And we had we we had uh, uh, signed contracts for auditorium usage, school high school auditorium usage, all the way through the month of June. And so here we're going. Well, I was in Africa for a second trip, and I came home in the middle of February. And uh, I got home on the 15th of February, which was a Friday. And I got home just in time because they had forecast a major snowstorm that night, starting on Friday night. And it snowed all night, all, all evening, Friday evening, all day Saturday, 24 hours of snow 
all all Sunday morning up until about noon on Sunday it snowed and then there was a couple couple hour break and a different snowstorm altogether came in and snowed all afternoon and evening and into the into Monday morning it was the snow of the century and I got a call on the morning of my birthday February the 18th 2003 at 8 o'clock in the morning with the call that the church had collapsed under that snow yeah and the only place we had to have church was in those school auditoriums. And the only instruments and PA equipment we owned that was not destroyed was in a trailer. Uh, and the only baptismal we had was in a bus. Because God was making his point that this gospel is not going to be a prisoner of a building. It's been 16 years. We've been trying to rebuild for 16 years and something always keeps coming up because he's not going to let us rebuild anything here until we are convinced, convinced that this is not the will of God. That, that having the church, everybody come to one location, having a mega church is not the will of God. And there are still a few among us that want to see it go that way, but it's not happening. So I'm asking the question again, did God allow persecution to come to Jerusalem to drive them out into the world? And I'm asking another question here. Is God allowing this coronavirus and all these things that are being shut down every day, more and more and more? Last night, the president, this will date this video, last night, the president put a, a, a halt to all travel between Europe except the UK and the United States until the first of, uh, the, until the end of May, I think it is. What? I'm telling you right now, God is allowing this for the purpose of getting across to us that the harvest he's going to give to the church cannot be contained in buildings because what's going to happen is going to be so great there's not going to be time to respond by building bigger facilities. But all these people are coming to get saved. Almost all of them have homes, some kind of house. And every one of those houses is a place where the gospel can be preached to their relatives, to their friends, to their neighbors. Every one of them. So I'm asking you, saying to you, is God trying to get our attention? Here is God trying to get our attention. Consider this as I close this video, the last part of it here. The statement made in Acts 5.42 that they were daily in the temple is the last time that any such statement was made in the remainder of the entire New Testament. After this, Attendance of the temple is not mentioned in the book of Acts again. The only time Paul visited is ex except when Paul visited there on his last journey to Jerusalem before he was taken prisoner and ultimately ended up in Rome. On a side note, consider that this final visit by Paul to the temple was the catalyst for the beginning of the end of his ministry. Why? 
because the Jews arrested him and would have killed him if he had not appealed to Caesar and been escorted to Rome. You hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Acts 5.42 is the last time the scripture talks about the church gathering in Jerusalem. Or in, excuse me, in the temple. Now, obviously when Paul came back, those Christians that couldn't decide whether they were Jewish or Christian, uh, they, uh, they still were trying to practice both. And at the instructions of James, I think it was, Paul tried to appease a little bit. So he tried to go to the temple. That's where all the commotion started because he went to the temple. <laughs> My friend, God's trying to get our attention here. And again, Stop me that's trying to close down the churches. But this world's going to shut them down because God's going to get us out in the field one way or the other. He commanded us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth, compel out into, thrust out into the harvest field, the laborers. The Greek word there is really Curious. The Holy Ghost chose the, chose the word to describe what Jesus was asking us to pray as ekbalo. Sent forth or thrust out is ekbalo. That Greek word is most frequently used in reference to casting out the devil. And Jesus said, commanded us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth ekbalo laborers into his harvest. It is a forcible, authoritative, compelling out of where you are into a different circumstance. And we are commanded to pray that. And my friend, I have lived long enough to see the day that it's happening. The question is, if you're not convinced that the church is not just a an address of a building we call a church building, but it also is just as much out in the field and including and especially in people's homes, then you don't know what to do. You don't have an answer. (coughs) How many churches are going to crumble, disintegrate, because it's all built around a calendar of activities in a church facility. And when that facility is no longer available, what's going to happen, do you think? What's going to happen? It's time for the church to read and believe the Bible and prepare to be biblical. Now, of course, this all presupposes that we've been training people and maturing them so that everyone is capable of teaching the word, as Paul said in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Because if all we've been doing is having church and preaching to people, then people are not mature enough for this, are they? They don't know how to have their own walk with God. They don't know how to feed themselves out of the word, and they don't know how to preach the gospel to every creature. Oh, Jesus, help us get our attention. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I believe this with all my heart. 
All this stuff that's going on right now with the coronavirus is just a dry run. Six months, nine months, most of this is going to be lifted, and life is going to kind of get back to normal. And there are going to be a lot of people that experience all of this, but they're not going. They're not going back. They've, God's gotten the word across to them, and now they're going to do the will of God. And they're going to be apostolic, and they're going to train people and teach people and grow people in the, in the gospel and in their walk with God and equip them to do ministry as Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says we're supposed to. And when the final thing comes where we are dispersed out by law, not by health crisis, and it becomes illegal for us to meet because we are we don't believe in abortion and we don't believe in same-sex marriage and whatever, and so we are violating the law and we get shut down. Uh, people, be ready at that time. I beg of you, my friend, listen to God. There's a message in everything that's happening here to get our attention so that we will prepare and be ready for what's coming in the earth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray the spirit of the grace of God upon you and me that by the grace of God, the Lord will work in us and prepare us to be and do whatever it is he's called us to be and do. In Jesus' name, amen.